Welcome back to another episode of The Spectators. I'm Brooklyn. I'm here with the birthday boy, Jew. How you doing, bro? Happy birthday. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Uh, I'm doing good. Had a nice little birthday weekend. Got to celebrate with uh, my buddy Devin, who I share a birthday with also. A bunch of the Oregon people. We had a we had a nice little Zoom call. So it was a good weekend for what we could do, you know, and, and with quarantine and everything. But... You just missed the cut on the strict quarantine birthday. I know. So that was yeah, dope. exactly. We were like allowed a little bit to do some stuff, so that was definitely nice. Shout out to all the people that had to deal with that. Yeah, honestly, with the drive-by birthday parties <laughs> and all that. Yeah, seriously. Wow. I, I know some people in your family. You did like drive-bys where the fa- the cars would go, and you were just like honk and stuff, right? Yeah, my mom, and then two days later is my niece. So we did back to back on that. <laughs> yeah, that, so that's that, pretty. Cool. That's unfortunate that. We weren't really yeah. able to celebrate everybody like we usually would, but it's okay. Birthdays we are... Like that. Uh, hopefully, we'll come around again, you know what I'm saying? So. Absolutely. But Yeah, so we got some, some cool stuff on this birthday weekend for you guys. Um, you want to start us off? What we got? What we got? So we got some weird stuff coming out of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Just like... Well-intentioned. I don't even know what to really think about this. Well-intentioned, but very just weird. So, what they're trying to do is the NFL is offering a third-round draft pick. It was third round. Yeah, third round for any team that hires a minority coach. And... Or GM. Or GM. Like, or GM. Like... I like the intention behind it, but just hire good people. Why do you need, like, something to make you hire a specific type of person? And and, because and the real thing here is that, obviously, there's a lack of representation in the NFL when yeah. a majority of the players who make up the league are of minority descent. And then... Mm-hmm. They are also the minority in head coaching and GM positions. What is there? Uh, four uh, minority head coaches. That's including Spanish people. And then there's only two black GMs, and there are no Spanish people. And then one team has a GM. And exactly. So now you're looking at one team with a minority GM apart from having both. And... That, that's an issue, and, and it's not just because there's a Absolutely. few of them. It's an issue because of the make of the league as a whole. And so yeah. if this was a, a sport that was predominantly white people, you would expect all the, the main uh, leadership positions to be white. But if, if this is a league where it's, again, predominantly played by minorities and people of color, you would think at least there's more of a ratio here. And so this is like yeah, an attempt. Yeah, not even give chances to people. Exactly. Just because, oh, they don't want this type of person there. Exactly. Like, it, it's wrong. And to say, oh, I'll give you a good draft pick. Well, not really even good. You're getting a third rounder. But to say, I'm going to give you this if you hire this type of person. I, I don't like it. No, it, it's not the right and way to go, go about it. Just go out and, yeah, just go out. Hire the best available because and that's not what happens. White coaches. That, that's just not. Half of these white coaches that get hired, they're not qualified for no, it. You think Freddie Kitchens deserved the head coaching job? Get, Come on. Absolutely Come on. not. 
Absolutely not. And uh, there's so many talented minority coaches and GMs that are more than qualified for the job. Oh yeah. And will get the job done, but they, they don't want to do well, it. And, and it's, it, it feels like there's a lot of a uh, you scratched my back in the past, so I'm gonna help you out now type of stuff always going on. Exactly. Which is a prime example exactly. of the Freddie Kitchen situation. Um. I don't really I don't really know like the intricacies of the hiring process obviously but there's definitely some there's a lot more that goes into it than just who's the best fit and since we don't have a look or a glimpse into the hiring situation like we do with the free agency free agency we can kind of look at the roster hey this team needs this style of player they should go get them Mm -hmm. it's very different especially with GMs because from the outside, it's hard to see everything a GM is doing or what they're being the asked to I do. the way I look at it, what stops a team from saying, all right, we're going to hire this coach, we're going to get the draft pick, and then you know what? Eight weeks in, we don't like how he's doing. It's four and four, whatever. Fire him. Now we still got the draft pick, and we go back to what we wanted to do. What stops a team from doing that? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. They get their uh, third rounder just, and get them out of there. Yeah. Because you're not getting a genuine pick. At yeah, that you're, point. you're picking what you just, can to get the most, like, value. Yeah. Which, like, I and wouldn't blame a team for even trying to do. Whoever gets a job is going to have a shadow over his head of not really being trusted yeah. within the organization. So. Yeah, and, and that's a tough situation. Know. And, um,. You know, it, it you have to incentivize it. Like, obviously, we have um, the rule where you have to interview somebody of, uh, like, a minority for the position, which is just easily mm-hmm. gotten around by saying, oh, yeah, we interviewed him <laughs> in, in, like, a half-hearted yeah, interview. We interviewed him, didn't like him. Yeah. But then you went and hired somebody that's a bum. So. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know how we can set a plan for this to – be better I, I really don't but I think it comes down to uh, the current players or the players leaving like soon you know like some of the older guys to mm-hmm. uh, really want to throw their hat in the ring and kind of f- force their will I guess in a sense that hey I am uh, who, who would be a good example um, let's say like Julius Peppers right Julius Peppers has obviously been in the league a long time Smart dude, talented guy, uh, potential Hall of Famer even. Uh, say he, whenever he retires, he's pretty close to it. Uh, he's just like, hey, um, I want, I want to coach, and uh, I've given a lot to whatever organization. Say the Panthers. He's like, hey, I want to coach here. You know, force your will. Be like, hey, I know I can do this, and really, really want to throw your hat in that ring. And I think it'll take. I don't know who exactly. That was just an example that came to my mind, but yeah, it, it'll take uh, definitely somebody like that or a college coach, for example, and whoever that and might the be. The second thing after that is just stop with these like favors, favor hires, yeah, and just start looking at the resume, looking what these people done, and hire off of that. Don't just say, "All right, this guy, we got history." I own something, or well, somebody on the roster they got history, and then you hire them. No, it shouldn't work like that. Yeah, and and the, the hires like that. that always come from that 
are always the ones that are the quick exits. So they kind of come around and, you know, and maybe somebody who had a window to coach gets it taken away from them because of a favorite like that. And they might not be available for the next year because now they sign for like a high school or a college or something. And Exactly. Or they give up on their so, dream. Like, at the end of the at the end of the day, like good intentions, yeah, just not the execution you need for something like this. Yeah, I, I, again, like if, if somebody that's listening has any sort of like feasible solution, maybe let us know. Because I just don't know. I I don't know the right steps to go with this, but it's definitely an issue, and it's definitely something that absolutely. I don't even know if the NFL can do anything about, but if they can, we need to figure it out without giving, like, an actual advantage to a team. Yeah, until you get, like, these old-style, old-mindset type of GMs and owners out of there, it's going to be tough. Yeah, and and that's really where it comes down from. It's just the owners. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. Because they're stuck in their own ways, and whether it's publicly or not, we all know some of them – got they wears of thinking it's not good well i mean look at like the cowboys for example i mean jason garrett had that job completely undeserving of keeping that job for a decade absolutely Absolutely. he should have been fired after year two and he kept it for eight more years and it never made sense and the only reason was because like hey jerry was like jason uh that's my guy that's like a buddy of mine i don't want to get rid of him it was like Really? That's that's not how this works, but I mean, all right. Keep keep losing, I guess. Bringing friendships into the NFL, (laughs) no, just doesn't cause for anything good at the end of the day. No, like you're not winning, you're you're not building a like foundation or anything. You're just hooking your boy up with a spot, and that's it. (laughs) You're not getting anything out of it. Yeah, there's there's really no benefits. But, you know, one one day, one day we'll get to at least, like, a decent representative mark. Absolutely. And hopefully it comes sooner than later. Yeah, seriously. Uh, speaking of sooner than later, <laughs> we're getting uh, something new and different coming up from the UFC. Yeah, so UFC's back, if, if you haven't known, uh... Mm. UFC and uh, the Bundesliga for soccer. So those are the two sports we have right now. But we are officially like yeah. back in the realm of live sports. So shout out. And and the UFC has had two weekends, and there's been like this cl- chatting um, of a potential UFC fight island. Mm-hmm. And I I imagine this is we get all these fighters and we kind of get them on an island they live a normal life on this island and then it comes day day to fight and they got an octagon over there wherever this island might be or whatever or who even knows yeah they haven't uh figured that out or they just haven't disclosed it yet but it definitely feels but. like this is a uh this is an idea that is demanding of like documentary people there on the behind the oh, scenes absolutely um absolutely just to like see what what goes on because i want to see like the interactions between these people because obviously the ufc is such a diverse sport i mean there's people from all over the world different fighting styles different cultures and religions 
and a lot of a lot of them don't like each other which naturally it, it's no. a it's a very <laughs> testosterone based sport so uh they don't really like each other too much so them in close proximities um and not just people they're fighting but other weight classes other genders um i'm kind of excited to see something like this more for the non-fighting stuff than the actual stuff in the octagon for me at least yeah documentary about this would be sick and like they're gonna have their own living quarters apparently and they're gonna have a training facility built there's whispers of like the octagon being on the beach so that would be kind of sick if that happens and it it just causes for something new and fresh even if it's a one-time deal like like you get the winter classic for hockey where they're playing outside at the baseball stadiums. And, like, it's kind of something like that. Obviously, completely different. But just in a sense that you're in a completely different environment from, like, what it normally is. And it could be really cool. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good example. Um, Obviously, Winter Classic is, like, an ice thing. It's a winter sport. Um, and this is going to be likely a early fall summer spring type of deal i don't know when it would happen but it would obviously be in like warm weather um but just taking something that's known and putting it in like something a little bit unfamiliar for a little bit of spice a little bit of flavor uh it's it's fun it's definitely fun and it doesn't change the sport itself so if you're i mean unless like wind becomes like a big factor which i guess it could theoretically or weather definitely could but it's it's mostly not changing the sport so purists will still like it but then it also brings like some new people in for whatever added drama or whatever uh thing they felt was missing and i I feel like i'm somebody like that because i i'm not a big ufc guy i'll watch like really big ticket fights but apart from that it's not really my thing uh i would watch this though gotcha yeah, it would be sick. I'm I'm really looking forward to and hoping that it everything is figured out and they make it work. It's looking for June, so we're not far off. Not far off at all. So I don't know if they have the island already uh like set and done, like I said earlier. But it is gonna be their own private island. Now so. when I, when you first brought this up to me, you were like UFC Fight Island. My immediate thought was <laughs> was like a game of Fortnite or like Warzone where you just bring in all these UFC fighters, drop them out the plane, and good luck. <laughs> and I don't know, like obviously that wouldn't happen, but that was like my first thought. I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> We're doing a battle royale, <laughs> but send them to the gulag. Said, oh no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> gotta win your one v ones in the gulag. That would be kind of cool, like it's just a strictly gulag UFC style tournament. Bro, it would be nuts. You got all the you got all the other fighters throwing rocks at them. <laughs> They, they walk off the dock real quick, get dumped in a submarine, <laughs> get taken like 200 feet under the water. We're going to Atlanta to <laughs> fight real win. quick. <laughs> if they don't win the gulag, they get dumped out. You got to try to swim back up before you get eaten by a shark. Uh, and there's a lot of sharks, okay? And you, you're bloody because you just fought. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> so you're just in there as chump. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be wild. That was, that was what I thought of at I'm, first. I'm, I'm I was really like, looking huh? This is a little, so much. This obviously is not that. It's, we're just fighting on the beach. 
Sadly, it's not. Right. Bad. One day. We, we'll get we the Hunger Games we deserve one of these days. Beach. But should be cool. Absolutely. I'm excited for it. Uh, another thing that's uh, going to be pretty cool that we got coming up and on this Sunday, actually, May 24th, we got four goats. You got Phil Mickelson teaming up with Tom Brady going up against Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning in a 2v2 golf match. What do you think about this? I love it. It it reminds me of um, I don't know if it was last year or the year before where Tiger and Phil had just like a one v one for like mm-hmm. a couple mil on the line. I think it was last year. Um, and that was like a really fun. It felt like a, almost like a pickup game in basketball that was televised, and that was like a really big deal too. Obviously, because those are the two biggest yeah. names that the sport has seen over the last like couple decades. Um. And they're both out of their prime now, but they're still very competent and very talented golfers. Um, and now you're getting uh, the rematch, essentially, but you're throwing in the little little curveball, a little spice action, and giving them some some Hall of Fame friends to their own merit. And um, what were the teams again? Who was Tom with? Tom's with Phil. Oof. And then Peyton's with Tiger. See, I don't know anything about Peyton Manning's golf game. I don't know anything about it, but I do know. I could imagine he's been working on it. I do know that Tom got some golf game. Yes. I know he got a little bit. If you watch Entourage, you've seen the episode where he's on there golfing, and he's like the main new character for like a golfing episode. Um, so he's obviously been doing that a while. I don't know like how good, but a, you know probably. And- Better than the average, I'd imagine. He's a professional athlete. And we spoke about Entourage like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And like we said then, if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out. Yeah, this this is true. Especially that episode. Yeah, that one's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I think that was like in the later seasons, like seven or eight. Like one of those. But it's just great. But and I, I, having something like this, it's just exactly what we want. It's stuff like this that makes sports even more exciting. Yeah, these, these you get lifelong the rivalries that just, like, turn yeah. into an actual 1v1, not just in the Masters or the U.S. Open. But, hey, man, yeah. like, let's go play right now. And then you get these crossovers from other sports coming to play, too. Now, I'm, awesome. I am a little surprised that it's um, Peyton and Tom as opposed to maybe some other guys who um, – are more into golfing. Like I'm shocked Steph's not in this. Cuz yeah, if, if I don't know if I you know, like but they... Steph is an actual professional golfer. Yeah, Steph's dope. Cuz he uh he's in the the I can't remember the name of the, the league. It's the league right below the PGA and he plays in tournaments in the off season. And he like does okay. <laughs> he, he like keeps his weight. And I would have loved to see Steph in it. But then it would have felt a little bit more like a pro-am. I guess Tom is still in the league, too. But The thing about Steph is, who's he going to like go against on the rivalry part? Because the whole point of Tom and Peyton, they had a crazy rivalry throughout their career. Like, you look forward to yeah. Brady versus Peyton. And they Manny played every year because they always won their divisions. Exactly. So... That was the big thing, and then you get put 
as teammates what golf's biggest ri- uh, rivalry in their history pretty yeah. much i so feel that who who would really be the counterpart to Steph? well you know we got to call lebron Gotta give him a ring. Or yeah, or we but... get KD out here so they can assert who was the, the real alpha on that Warriors team. I can get behind that too. Because <laughs> I, I feel like there's been a lot of like KD hate towards that team. Because I don't know if you saw it's a little off track, but I don't know if you saw earlier this week Bob Myers, the GM of the, the Warriors, he mentioned that when they won their second one with KD. They weren't even, like, happy because they felt like they should have done it. Yeah, it just felt like, all right, we got the job done. And We were supposed to do is this. Is that, like, any way to live? Whereas the first like, one, it was You like, did the thing you're supposed to, and you're like, okay, cool. You're not yeah. happy about it? What? So that like, means even, even they felt sleazy about what like, they did. Yeah, you're not going to be excited about it. You're not going to be happy about yeah. it. You know, and that was, that was the moral karma coming back. They knew. They yeah. pulled the slime ball stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, it's one of the best teams of all time. I probably think it is the best team of all time. But come, come on, man! They knew, they knew it's, what they did. It's one of the most dangerous. It's definitely one of the most dangerous. They know what they did. It's also interesting that the the way they ended. I'm gonna hit this nice little transition. All right, the way they ended mm-hmm. was very different than the way that the dynasty of the Chicago Bulls ended. Yeah, and so we got we got to see the last two episodes of the Last Dance, uh, yesterday, episode nine and ten, and they they showed us the um, was it the ninety seven playoffs, and then they showed us the the end of the ninety eight playoffs, and yeah. so the Warriors, we kind of have an idea, but we don't know for sure if their little dynasty is going to end uh, last year, in twenty nineteen, but we know that there's a, there's a chance it ends. And they come into the playoffs. KD goes down. He comes back. He goes down again. Clay gets hurt. And the Raptors kind of cruise, which which is like a crazy thought that the Raptors like kind of handily won that series. But they did just because circumstance. Yeah. And, and they were a pretty darn good team in their, in their own right. I think it's a good series regardless. But... They end. I think if Clay and KD are there, yeah, like the Warriors are gonna win without KD and. But it's definitely still a good series because I think Kawhi and KD would be an amazing matchup. Um, Yeah, that would be sick. But if you got KD, Clay, Steph, and Draymond on the court at the same time, it's tough. See, you're bringing up Draymond like there's not eight or nine other better dudes on the court at any given time than him. No, I feel um, it, but if you got all four of them, yeah, on yeah, it, it, it's, it's a tough. it's a well oiled machine for sure. But like Draymond's definitely the last one out of that. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. you you still gotta <laughs> still gotta put them in there because that chemistry, that's uh, unmatched. But when they're that so their dynasty kind of was forced to end. It was like oh we did, we lost the injuries happened we lost maybe it's time to just like blow it up reset it they didn't obviously blow it up but you know katie see ya and clay's still getting back from his injury and who knows what's gonna happen with draymond he's probably gonna be gone so well that's the thing we say that it ended but we're still like in it right now like yeah katie's gone clay's on his way back Steph just came back we didn't really get to see too much because corona 
And Draymond, I don't think he's going nowhere. But they've been adding pieces along the way. So, like, they could very much make another run. Yeah, it's just hard because towards the end there. No, it's definitely hard. But, again, I don't think we're at the end of their dynasty. Um, I think they'll have a chance next year, especially if they get a, a guy who's going to contribute in this draft coming up. Because mm-hmm. they're going to have a good pick, obviously. So if whoever they draft is like an effective player immediately, um, I think they, they definitely have a shot. I think it's just going to be hard, though, because you have so many other teams building now and clearly building like win-now style teams. And it's, it's just going to be hard because they're built big and the Warriors aren't. And, uh, you know, we'll just see. We really have to see. I, I don't know. Replacing KD is going to be tough. And who even, who even knows when we're getting this draft? Because the conference finals were scheduled to be happening right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird to think about. Yeah. I think they would have started yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, or like two days ago. And man. <laughs> we're not even done with the season. We're not even done with the season. And the conference finals are supposed to start. And we don't even know if we're going to finish the season. So, like, when do we have this draft? <laughs> Uh, someday, maybe someday. <laughs> but is there another Zoom call draft? <laughs> probably, it probably will be. Like, yeah, it, it likely will, honestly. But yeah, so we have them who are kind of forced to stop. They lose, KD leaves. It, it's like a forced stop. Whereas with the Bulls, they win. They they have like this identical. Uh, 97 and 98 playoff runs where they beat the Pacers and then beat the Jazz. Um, and they win. And, you know, you heard in the at the end of this documentary, you hear Jordan say, I feel I have the feeling that if you would have asked, um, you know, Phil and if you had asked Steve and Dennis uh, and myself, we all would have taken a one year deal to see if we could get seven. Go for the four. Yeah, and then he was like, Pippen would have t- taken some convincing because of all the turmoil and stuff. But if everybody came back on a one-year deal, Scotty definitely would have came back. Yeah, and and that's the that's the way Mike felt. Uh, I don't know how true that is. I don't think Scotty would have come back. It, it seemed like that there was too much of a uh, broken bond at that point. There definitely was, but at the end of the day, like if everybody's coming back on a one-year deal and just saying, all right. Let's try one more time. Forget about what ownership's doing. Forget all of that. We're coming back for us, and we're going to try to get seven. I think. I think, I think thinking objectively that works, and like thinking now, like an outside view looking in. But you know how like, like just disrespected Scotty felt, and absolutely. I, I feel but like it was also really, coming really off hard. of like coming off of the fact that you just won. Maybe you feel a little more lighthearted. Not about see, like. See, you say that, but remember, like, at the beginning of that season, it's it's hard to remember because they the time. Yeah, he didn't even want to play at the beginning. The, of the timeline season. of this yeah. thing, I'll say it one more time, was a little messed up, and you could easily forget that Scottie Pippen didn't want to play in this '98 season uh, because we learned about that five weeks ago. <laughs> but yeah, but even uh, even at the end, when Scotty's going in and out of the locker room trying to get his back right to even stay on the court, yeah. like. He's still willing his way to play for the team. Yeah. With all the turmoil and all that. Yeah, and and that was just a competitor that he was. 
Yeah, and I think that competitive nature would have played a factor with coming back on a one-year deal. Again, I, I think objectively it would have, but not in in like the way it yeah. plays out. Uh, but anyway, uh, they win. They they go for the second three-peat, six championships in eight years uh, with everything that happened. Obviously, um, if there's something that we learned about Mike in this in this whole documentary, it's that he was the pettiest man of all time. <laughs> he would find any excuse. It, it was almost Anything, like that bad ex-girlfriend you had that any excuse for her to like yell at you, <laughs> she would. Um, any excuse that Mike had or could find or scrounge up to like put a chip on his shoulder and like ball out, he would find it. Whether it's somebody telling him good game and it didn't even happen. Um, he was talking about the the guy uh, that was defending him on the Jazz. His name is escaping me right now. But in the finals, the, the Jazz defender was on him. And a couple of years back when he was retired for baseball, the defender came up and was like, Hey, why'd you retire, man? I wanted to lock you down. And that was like Mike four was years ago. And Mike's out here busting his butt in the finals now because of that it's like man, digging in the bag of tricks it's like come on you petty little <laughs> and every single petty time guy. somebody would ever say something to him it would just turn it on like ray out or not ray out when she's reggie <laughs> reggie miller um <laughs> mentioned in his like rookie game against mike he was like i thought you were uh walking on water and then mike just turned it on and Busted him. Like I had two points, and I don't know. He said, "Call me Black Jesus." After that, that was pretty funny. He's like, "I never refer to him as Michael Jordan ever again." (laughs) He's Black Jesus, the Black Cat. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he was just a pet. He was just the fight with the MJ and Reggie was dope. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And for me, at least, like before this, Reggie and MJ never really clicked to me as like any sort of rivalry. Just because when you think of Reggie Miller, you think uh, him and the Knicks and, like, his three-point shooting prowess. But I, I never really thought of him being, like, an actual rival or, like, I really one of the biggest threats to MJ in the playoffs is what it seemed like. Yeah, he's a, MJ said right behind uh, Detroit. The Pistons were right there as his toughest challenge. Which is wild because that Pacers team – was pretty good, but I don't know if they're better than some of these other teams that are playing. I don't know if they're better than the Mike uh, Price Cleveland teams or the Patrick Ewing Knicks teams. I don't know if they're better than any of them, yeah. but something about the matchup, it kind of just worked that way. Maybe it was uh, Reggie's not fearing Jordan. Maybe it was that. I really don't know. Maybe it was just that they're older. It definitely has a lot to do with that. Um, but it was definitely interesting to see them be like the thorn in their side theoretically because they they plucked it out pretty easily and painlessly but it, it stung for a second and they took them to seven Especially games with that uh game winner reggie hit what was it on game two. four uh yeah game four two. yeah they won two in a row um yeah game four that, that shot right there man Whew. And it, and it just gets overshadowed because then they lose the next two games they didn't even show the next two games because they just got like busted yeah it's tough. It's really tough. And, um, you know, they they go on to play the Jazz again in the last in the last one. And that one seemed to be a hard-fought series. And going off of MJ being petty, 
getting mad because uh, Malone won the MVP. It's like, yeah, right. it's like, come on. And I like that he, he did mention <laughs> it's not that he didn't earn it because, come on, Carl Malone earned it that year. Yeah. But he's like, he won it. It should be me. And I, I kind of like that. It was like, I should be the MVP. You know who? Which it definitely and and that way. really reminds me of like LeBron. I think that compare or like parallel really suits both of them. LeBron knows every year he's the MVP. He knows it. Yeah. But he doesn't need that trophy to validate it because he'll just make it to the finals that year instead. That that's the thing with Jordan. I feel like he needed to feed his ego a lot more. Well, it, so, it like, wasn't necessarily ego. I think, to... I think it just needed to feed his competitiveness. That's because competitive, so, like... being competitive is a very, very fickle flame. And if you don't feel that there's like an actual competition that could just go out, you could just easily not care. Because that's the thing with LeBron. He don't really care like what you got to say about him at, the end at of all. He's gonna go at all. And do whatever he's gonna Cause do because he's because he knows he's better than you and he is he's not gonna talk about it he's not gonna say nothing he's just gonna go and bust you and they're very yeah, different like, in that regard in a way that makes mj like a little bit sensitive like all right you said this about me all right now i'm now i'm gonna, I'm gonna sensitive is not the right word i think just that. um think of like prodding a lion you're not gonna prod a lion you're not gonna poke it in the in the face while it's sleeping hmm. you know so, uh, sensitive is not the right word, but if if that line gets hit, he's gonna bite. Yeah, so I think it's more like that as opposed to sensitive. But uh, you're definitely. I don't right, mean though. sensitive. You're definitely right. Like soft, but like he definitely like he had to prove himself at any given moment. And he felt the need to prove himself at any given moment. That everything he had yeah. done was not enough. He needed to prove more. Now that doesn't take away from him. He, he's still an No, I think that's, like, impressive like, that you're always <laughs> willing to just, like, oh, okay, bet, I'm going to prove myself again. I, I think that was impressive. And I, and I love and that. Being able to, yeah, and being able to prove yourself in that situation, it's dope. Yeah. Like, definitely doesn't take anything away. Yeah, so we got five weeks and ten episodes of some stuff we didn't know, some stuff we did know, some stuff we didn't want to know. Um, one thing I did not know was when they uh, went back to like 1974, 76, sometime in the 70s, talking about Steve Kerr's dad. Yeah. And I didn't even know that connection was even there for him and MJ. And and Steve said they've never really talked about it, which is like the, the really interesting part about that. Uh, but they just kind of had yeah, that. Because in a way, they're so similar. Yeah. Just one was blessed with all the talent in the world, and the other one was there just working his butt off to get his five shots a game. (laughs) Seriously. And uh, Steve Kerr, it's kind of cool, too. Steve Kerr was the early template for what is now a really common and important NBA position with the the three and D defender. Uh, he He was a trigger man on catch-and-shoot situations where you're lucky if you're getting six shots a game and you better go and guard somebody important on, on the other end. And he, he was one of the early guys for that. And uh, and now he's coaching the two best shooters of all time and maybe the best 3 and D defender of all time in clay. So it's kind of funny how it's that crazy. works. It's crazy. 
It's also crazy for Kerr to be on two of the best teams of all time. Isn't it three? Wasn't he a part of the Spurs for a little bit as well? Well, when I say best of all time, I'm talking about the record-wise. Yeah, but you can't you can't say best of all time and not include that Tim Duncan era of the Spurs because that's the most yeah. – that is the longest right. domination of a league besides the, the Patriots that any sport has really ever seen. Yeah, man. I mean, literally for 15 years, the Spurs were more or less the, the best in the West and just the class of the West. And um, Yeah, but – being on good teams is one thing. Like you could definitely finesse your way into being on great teams, but to be on the two teams that and really far apart too, mm-hmm. that end up being the two best record having teams ever. Mm-hmm. That's it's, wild. It's definitely you something. get seventy two and ten, and then you get seventy three and nine. And it's cool too because like, Phil is on the same part of that spectrum. When you look at best yep. teams of all time, that Lakers with Kobe and Shaq is definitely in the mix somewhere and and obviously yeah, they won their five rings three three peats yeah <laughs> so and so three three peats is ridiculous it it really is crazy and and phil um you know some people say it, he was lucky um i don't really know how i feel about it i, I think it was it's a mixture it's um because it takes something to galvanize these stars right and like get them together yeah. and lead them uh, and you don't necessarily have to do a whole bunch. But he was lucky to have Kobe. He was lucky to have Shaq. He was lucky to have Scotty. He was lucky to have MJ. And he won 11 times. And that's, that's crazy. Um, and in the same sense, those players are just as lucky to have a coach like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And, like, the success goes both ways. Like, yeah, you need great players to win. Absolutely. But it's tough to win, even if you got great players, if you don't got a great coach. I will say it it's is tough. the one sport that you can get away with not having good coaching. Yeah, it definitely like is. If you, if you look but... at these Cleveland Cavaliers teams with LeBron and, and all them, uh, they probably lost more than they should have because of the David Blatts and the, the Ty Lues and that they've had. So Yeah, but you even look at early LeBron – when he brings that young team to the well, who was there? Who was even their head coach? I can't remember. Oh. Let me try to look it up. I, I don't have a clue who that head coach was. But then you go to like Eric Spolstra. That he had maybe the toughest job I have ever seen to take just three dudes who didn't fit at all, and he really made something special down there in Miami. And I, I remember a lot of people gave him crap because it was like, oh, well, I can coach LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And, like, you might be right, but you're not going to coach him well. Yeah. Uh, that that one, that was a truly special thing. And I think Eric Spolster kind of being as good as he was made me think, oh, okay, maybe Phil, like, actually did do some stuff. <laughs> maybe he was yeah, actually Phil was definitely Maybe he was pretty part. good. Because to do, to do what you did in Chicago – and then go do what you did in L.A. Like, yeah, you got great players on both teams. Don't get me wrong. But to make both of them, like, some of the best dynasties in NBA history, like, yeah, you got to give it credit. Yeah, 100%. But also, this documentary <laughs> made me look at Dennis Rodman <laughs> in a completely different way. Well, like, I don't know if you watched the Rodman's – I don't know if it was the uh, E60 or the 30 for 30 mm-hmm. about him. But this one showed so much more 
about him, and it makes me think, like, Rodman gotta be one of the most, like, polarizing figures in all of sports. Well, ever. I feel like nothing changed in my opinion of him, because I thought I thought this was, like, known things. Obviously, like, the antics in particular, like, him in the middle of the finals going to play wrestling was, like, insane, but... See, I had no idea about that. I didn't know that he just took hiatuses and went to Vegas and just messing with Carmen Electra and all that. <laughs> like, I knew he was Rocketwood and Carmen, but to just, like, leave like that and do what he was doing, I didn't know that. He's the definite. Like to see that. He's the definition of, like, once he clocked out of work, he was clocked out. <laughs> And once he clocks back in, and he was all in once he was in, but when he clocked out, he was like, "I'm gonna go have some fun." <laughs> but like, is there anybody else in sports that are like even close to that? Like now, you're not even allowed to do that. You're you're gonna well, get well. He wasn't allowed to either. He he did get fined you. like 20k, but he got fined. But you even hear Phil like, it, and Rodman saying like, Phil knew that just let Rodman do what he's gonna do because there's no control in yeah. You got to just let him be. And when he comes back, he's going to do what he needs to do. But I think the thing that stands out the most with Dennis is that he's he's so his own person that he yeah. took the liberty of, like, deciding he wants to travel to North Korea and become friends with the biggest dictator mm-hmm. in the world. And his relationship with this dictator became so significant that the U.S. Embassy made him an ambassador and the only ambassador to that country. Great. Dennis Rodman is our North Korean ambassador. I don't know if he still is, but he was at some point. And, like, he's the guy. He's the only one that's a true, like, <laughs> go in and I can come back and tell you details about this place guy. He's the only one. It's, it's nuts. nuts. Man. And I think that that really just sums up him, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis is a character. Yeah, so I don't know what we're gonna do now on Sundays. <laughs> I mean, we got this Phil and Tiger thing next Sunday, so thank you. But and that's at two o'clock. But once uh, until uh, until NFL comes back, Sundays are gonna be sad. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Yeah, no. But as always, guys, thank you for listening. Um, let us know what you thought about the last dance everything uh whether you loved it you hated it uh you're pro mj you're you're pro lebron or whoever else you might have in that conversation like the psycho you are um you know just (laughs) let let us know what you thought uh if you're excited for the fight island bundesliga premier league just set a date for their uh training to resume i think that's like really soon too so keep an eye out for that and we got some live sports finally coming back. So I'm excited to talk about that as well. Little by little. Little by little. So keep safe, everybody. Take care. Thanks for rocking with us. Later, everybody.